It really is. And then once you get to three, it's like the old civilizations would just say, after a certain number, it was just many. <laughs> and I think that's how it is with children. And, and so we get out into these open stretches, and what we see from our children is that their primary way of experiencing the world is through movement and doing. They are interested and on the go all the time. And that makes perfect sense because the primary way that our children learn in the early years, in this first phase of childhood, is through imitation. And that places upon us tremendous responsibility because what we do in the presence of our children, they will do. Now, I know that preschool teachers today say that children don't imitate as strongly as they used to. But just say one word in front of your child that you don't want them to repeat, and we will see the power of imitation. Uh, I have a cousin who has a, a two-year-old daughter. My mother was in the car with her, driving in New York. Somebody cut her off. She's a good New Yorker. She just looked up hit her brakes and said, jerk. Back seat of the car, her daughter, gurk, gurk, gurk. The power of imitation. That's the story I can tell in public. My mother's told me others that I can't repeat. Good stories that show that children imitate strongly. This is our, our challenge, but it's also our children's gift. Our children imitate because they believe in the world. They believe in the world's goodness. And they love the world so much that they do not mediate their experience. They just take it all in and they become what they see. They never stop and say, well, you know, my dad's not having a good day today. I shouldn't imitate that. Or, you know, my mom, she doesn't really mean to say that. I won't imitate that. They just do what we do, and it becomes them. When I was a boy growing up in New York City, I would stand and wait for my father to come home. I would stand on our front porch. We lived on a busy street, and my dad would come. He was a pipe fitter. He worked hard all day, and he would come off the train and walk down our street, and the first thing I would say to him, I'd hold two baseball gloves in my hand, and I would say, can we have a catch? And he would always say yes. And we would stand out in front of our house, and I would throw the ball to him. I would always throw my fancy pitches, and invariably, I'd throw the ball in the street. In New York, when you do that, usually a bus hits it, and it rolls for another block. And when that would happen, my dad would give me this look. I could just see the look. I could see him standing there. And the look would say, how many times have I asked you not to do that? <laughs> and the look would say, you are so thick. I was. I was. And um, years later, I was sitting at the kitchen table with my sons. And my second son was much more like me than I ever realized that's the child who gives us the hardest time, our mirror. And I never saw it. And he was playing with his milk. And I had told him so many times not to play with his milk. And I just knew he was going to do it, and he did. He spilt that milk 
all over the table. And then it happened. I gave him the look. <laughs> right? I didn't have to see it. I knew it was the same look my father used to give me. It was mine now. Not because I asked for it, but because what we see as young children, we become. How many gestures, phrasings, movements do we have that were given to us by our parents? It's just the nature of the imitative child. It's re tremendous responsibility, as young people know, because children imitate everything. So when they live in an atmosphere of abuse, they're at risk to become abusers. Physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, substance abuse. All of the young people today who feel that somehow they are burdened by the chains of the past because of the power of imitation. So it gives us this responsibility to do in front of our children things that are worthy of their emulation.